Well, hey, this is Rob, and that's Micaiah, and you are listening to You Forgot One. Today on You Forgot One, the Battle of Fiona Apple. Micaiah, we are putting two Fiona Apple albums head-to-head in this week's episode. The first, her 1999 album, regularly shortened to win the pawn but the full title is when the pawn hits the conflicts he thinks like a king what he knows throws the blows when he goes to the fight and he'll win the whole thing before he enters the ring there's nobody to batter when your mind is your might so when you go solo you hold your own hand and remember that depth is the greatest of heights and if you know where you stand then you know where to land and if you fall it won't matter because you'll know that you're right at that point in history, the longest album title that had yet been released. And we're putting that up against her 2020 release, Fetch the Bolt Cutters. Micaiah, my pick was Win the Pawn. Your pick was Fetch the Bolt Cutters. What do we need to know about these two albums right up front? Sure. Uh, well, they come out more than 20 years apart. You know, that, that's a long time to, to have a career. You know, um, especially a woman in what's considered pop music. Uh, but she's not exactly a pop star. You know, there's, there's some, you know, that, that, that's not a great brush to paint her with, but when the pawn comes out in 1999, she's part of that Largo scene with like Amy Mann and John Bryan and Michael Penn, John Bryan produces when the pawn, um, it comes out the same year as Magnolia. She's also dating Paul Thomas Anderson um, with an album and that movie come out. So it's like a very exciting time for someone who's, into music and into cinema. There's just a lot of excitement in the year 1999, which is a year that's talked about and written about a lot as being one of the great kind of pop culture years. Um, and this being one of those contributing factors. And um, on the most recent Rolling Stone list, I think in the previous one or the previous two, maybe no Fiona Apple albums were included, or maybe in the first one, maybe title was there. But in the 2012 edition, no Fiona Apple albums. And then by 2023, Fiona Apple um, at the bottom or ranked the lowest was um, Extraordinary Machine. Mm -hmm. Then Idler Wheel somewhere in the 200s. And then like 108, just outside the 100 uh, is when the pawn. Yeah. Her highest, her highest ranking album on the most recent list. Yeah. And I think those are by the time that that list came out, the right three albums and um, a, honestly a good place for them on the list. And if you do what we're doing and you look at the Rolling Stone 500, right. And you took it, if you take that first 100 and you take out, right. All the one, like all the Beatles, all the Rolling Stones and, you know, Dylan. So it's just one per artist within that top 100. That makes it pretty high. Yeah. This is, this is a low seventies album now all of a sudden. Yeah. You know, so th- this is a, beloved album um no doubt um one that you know people have looked back on because you know the, the title it was kind of gimmicky and they made fun of her for it uh, but time has been really kind to the record mm-hmm. um and so much so that after had his 20 year kind of retrospective and people writing about it again and vinyl me please re-releasing it on vinyl uh, which i have a copy of and it sounds amazing that kind of teeter up to really uh, released something really special, uh, which was Fetch the Bolt Cutters in 2020. You know, so like the air was right for her to kind of come back for the first time since 2012 to release a new record. And so April 2020, you know, the height of the lockdown 
she gifted us with the a new album that was recorded in her house and a lot of it's about kind of being in her house and um, she's using things around her house um, as instruments, you know, so it, it is a great isolation record. Um, but it's also a great record about 2020, about uh, kind of the Me Too movement and about, you know, responding to things like the Trump era. And, you know, um, in, in a way that doesn't ever have to like mention him specifically, but there's no bones about it, right? Like, you know what, what's going on here. Like, it, it just speaks to the time um, so well in a way that like like when the pawn to me sounds like 1999 even if what she's singing about isn't so 90s it sounds so 1999 mm-hmm. touch the bolt cutters i don't know if we're gonna say like oh that sounds like 2020 because nothing really sounded else sounded like that that year um but it is definitely lyrically a record that represents the time in which it came out um so yeah we're talking about two iconic albums one an instant classic and one that we've had more than 20 years now to to fall in love with and one of the things that i'm sure we're going to talk about with our guests today and and if not i want to mention up here is this reality that i think part of the reason that there's a relationship between these two albums is i think that the 23 years of sitting with or or at least you know at the time 21 years of sitting with when the pawn in, you know, like we've seen on those Rolling Stone lists, like it, it, you know, as, as people have had the appreciation develop over time, the kind of slow burn for when the pawn an album that by the way, hasn't sold, you know, even a third of what its predecessor title sold. I mean, it was not, was not a commercial success in many ways. It, it finally just two years ago was finally certified platinum, finally reaching that million copies sold, but this was not an album that that was a huge success, especially in comparison to her first album. But I think that slow burn of people appreciating when the pawn over the last 20 years, 20, 21 years, when, when fetch the bolt cutters came out in 23 years now, as we're recording this episode, I think that's also part of the reason that the kind of populace at large, and especially kind of the, the critic, the music critic world, music journalist world was, I think, so primed to receive fetch the bold cutters, right. which, which is such an impressive, I mean, just such a statement from a, a woman in her forties now releasing this album. And so I want to share some things about fetch the bold cutters that I find fascinating. Okay. It was, um, and, and this might be my favorite one of all time. So there is a, um, a review aggregator site called Metacritic, which basically any album that has at least 15 reviews, any album that has at least 15 kind of like well-published reviews, they take all of the reviews together and they aggregate those scores together and then kind of give it, you know, a weighted average score out of a hundred. Fetch the bolt cutters in the history of Metacritic has the second highest rated album ever. Fetch yeah. the Bolt Cutter is the second highest rated album ever of what we see on Metacritic. It is, you know, we talk a lot about, uh, uh, you know, Pitchfork and Stereo Gum and things like that. I should go ahead and mention, by the way, that Pitchfork, Stereo Gum, and a handful of others, including the New York Times, were among the uh, media sites that named Fetch the Bolt Cutters as the best album of 2020. And another dozen or so media sites said that this was the second best album of 2020, either after 
Taylor Swift's folklore or after Bob Dylan's latest album, Rough and Rowdy Ways. And so there are a whole lot there. And especially for the, the media sites that, that considered this the second best album of 2020 after Rough and Rowdy Ways. Well, Fiona Apple is the piano player on Rough and Rowdy, on the final track of Rough and Rowdy Ways. So it's really kind of a twofer for her. Yeah. But that you know, you have all of this critical acclaim that has been, you know, I think rightly laid at the feet of Fetch the Bolt Cutters. But this might be my favorite one of all. Fetch the Bolt Cutters received Pitchfork's first perfect score for a new album in 10 years. So mm-hmm. Pitchfork went through a 10-year period of time where they did not give a new album a perfect score. And the new album that did it was Fiona Apple's Fetch the Bow Cutters. So and the this one before that was, was Kanye's Dark Twisted Overrated Fantasy mm-hmm. exactly, yeah, in 2010. Um, and by the way, Kanye West... Big fan of Fiona Apple. How could you not be? And um, the only other ones that we've covered on our podcast that got perfect since they came out, I believe Kid A mm-hmm. was one, and Yankee Hotel Foxtrot. Yeah. So those those tens, those perfect tens on Pitchfork are few and far between for the most part. Yeah. So all of that to say, I, I think what Makai and I are saying to you, listener, right up front, before we get into the head-to-head about these two albums is more than anything else, we want to convince you, go listen to Fiona Apple. I mean, this is an incredible artist, five albums. I don't think there's a bad album among the group. I think she has released nothing but quality since she was a teenager. And here she is now a woman in her forties and maybe releasing the best music of her life. And that's what we're here to talk about today, but we're not going to do that alone. Micaiah, tell us about our guest. Of course, we've got our friend Brad Efford, um, who, if you're a long time, you forgot one listener, was with us for OK Computer and then came back for our Kid A episode where we made our famous decision to swap albums uh, based on our conversation with Brad. Uh, he also runs uh, the online magazine Wigwag, uh, that is a film zine um, on the internet that's a lot of fun. Uh, so you can go and follow them and They release stuff monthly, um, essays on different movies, personal essays. And uh, before that, um, you know, because this is a music podcast, he did the RS500 project at the RS500.com, which is the same kind of thing where uh, he had different uh, guest writers come on to write about each of the 500 albums on the 2012 Rolling Stone list. Well, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to let you hear from our sponsor, Anchor. We're also going to let you hear Brad talk about his independent record store of the week. And then we'll be back with our friend and our guest, Brad Effort. The independent record store that's in the area. I like the people who own it. It's a man and woman who own it. I think they're married, but I'm not sure. Their dog is always like hanging out in like a dog bed. Like it has the really good independent record store vibe. It's called Open Mind Music. It is in, uh, it's in Berkeley. It's kind of on the border of Oakland and Berkeley. Um, but yeah, it's great. It's one of those very small record stores where um, it's usually pretty empty and they've got like 
a bargain bin and then weird categories of genres of music like that like that's the vibe i like in a record store where it's clearly well maintained um but the people who are running it definitely care enough about music to be like this really specific subgenre of this subgenre is going to have its own part in the racks um so i would shout out open mind music that's open mind music located at 5521 College Avenue, Oakland, California, 94618. They are open Wednesday through Monday, noon to 7 p.m. You can reach them by phone at 415-920-9400. You can find them online at openmindmusicshop.com. about fiona apple today so let's start here when did you first get into fiona apple and for all of the albums you could have come back and talk about you know that you know your first time on the podcast not talking about radiohead you could really have kind of come back and talked about anything why did you choose these fiona apple albums to come back and talk about fiona apple is definitely in my top 10 favorite artists of all time she might sneak her way into my top five. Like she's kind of right, uh, right in the periphery of my top five favorite artists of all time. I think she's brilliant. And so I think any opportunity to kind of talk about her in general, I'll take advantage of. I, I think, I think she's underrated. Um, and I feel like with fetch the bolt cutters, that underrated status is maybe not, is maybe not, as big as it used to be because she just hadn't come out with something in so long. And then her new album was so widely praised and so excellent. And so like seismic because she hadn't released anything in so long that it kind of like reignited conversation around her, but especially, especially like in the years beforehand, I feel like she was a very underrated artist, even though she's like, I, I don't know the numbers, but she feels like a multi-platinum selling artist. Like she's Grammy winner. Like she's obviously very important to 
90s and 2000s, but especially 90s music history into like being alive in the 90s in general. But I think that the people who like Fiona Apple don't uh, like don't fully know the breadth of her career. And then the people who love Fiona Apple, like really like love Fiona Apple, like one of those, I don't know. I, I really, so one of my all time favorite artists is um, Erica Badu and Erica Badu, I think falls in the same kind of camp. And actually, you know what? I'm kind of realizing a pattern because my like top three favorite artists of all time are Kate Bush, Randy Newman and Erica Badu. And those three are, are all kind of the same in that way that Fiona Apple is where it's like people know who they are. Well, Kate Bush is having a moment right now, but like even beyond that people know who they are and people generally like them, but the people who are big fans of theirs are like obsessives. And I feel like Fiona Apple is a little bit like that too, where her fan base is wide in general, but then small in the grand like scale, like the people who really, really like her. Um, that's not really a reason. I guess my reason is just that I love Fiona Apple. I, my history with Fiona is that, um, my sisters, I have two older sisters and they were really into her, uh, in the nineties. So like when, when, when the pond came out, they were big fans of Fiona Apple. And obviously I just knew who she was from criminal and from her giving speeches at award shows. And like, she's just such an interesting public persona that that was definitely my first sort of in like introduction to her, but it wasn't really until probably college, which would have been like Oh six Oh seven, something like that, that I really started to pay closer attention to her. Um, and it, my entry into taking her more seriously was, um, probably extraordinary machine or when the pawn, like, I kind of got into those albums kind of simultaneously and they're still maybe my favorite Fiona Apple album. So that's kind of where it began for me, which is knowing who she was liking fast as you can loving the around the, um, uh, across the universe, her across the universe cover from Pleasantville mm-hmm. was a song that I was like in love with in like eighth grade, weirdly. So it's just like, I knew who she was, thought she was really cool, but it wasn't really until college that I, kind of like fell off the deep end and just really started to get into her lyrics and into her a lot more closely. I I love that you mentioned those three artists in particular, Kate Bush, Randy Newman and Erica Badu, because I I couldn't agree more. I think there is a very similarity between that, like widely known, but it's a very small group of people that are really, that really, really love these artists. And also because if I was, if I was playing the game, like how to triangulate, you know, who Fiona Apple is mm. like <laughs> mixing Kate Bush, Randy Newman and Eric Badu almost seems like the perfect way to do that. There's like, something about it. It's like, it's like lyrics. It's like lyrics first pop stars, like, like lyrics forward pop stars or something mm-hmm. like that, that are making all of them are artists who are making pop music and have had popularity. They're almost kind of all one hit wonders. Fiona Apple has had a couple of hits, but they're like had their big moment in the sun, which got them popularity, but then sort of didn't really want to pursue that again. And we're just kind of making pop music in their own rules with lyrics being sort of the thing that they focused on the most, like 
poetic pop stars or something like that. I don't know. That kind of like pigeonholes them and is maybe trying too hard, but I see the triangulation that you're talking about for sure. think there's a bad fiona apple album i I think these are all i mean i think any one of these albums in any other artists kind of discography would stand out as among one of their very best it just so happens that i feel like every fiona apple album is a really good album i think there are some i think there are some really great moments in some of those albums and i think some albums are better than others but these are all really great albums but when extraordinary machine finally got released because of everything that happened with the label and then you know the the john bryan versus michael Luziando uh production and all of the stuff that kind of went it went on with that when extraordinary machine finally came out i felt like that was also another one of those moments where like people kind of, you know, she came back on the scene and people kind of piqued their interest again. Right. Um, and, and, in, and in some ways I almost wonder if that's, what we have to look forward to like six or seven years from now. Like she's, she finally decides it's time to release another album and everyone kind of peaks up again is, is the oldest person in the room. I can remember very distinctly title coming out and I remember what it was like when, when the pond came out and how quickly this was an album that I gravitated towards. And uh, I saw her on this tour when she played at the house of blues in Orlando. I mean, she was the first first artist I ever saw who played with two drummers. So she was basically touring, touring with two drummers during, during that tour, which I thought was really interesting. And again, talk to, I think the percussive nature of, of that album, Brad, for, for our listeners who, who are not as old as me and maybe don't remember what, the nineties or especially with the late nineties were like, can you give us a little picture? What was Fiona's career? Like thinking back to 1999 as we're getting ready to receive when the pawn and so far all she has released is title. And in many ways title has done very well, but she's very, very young. This is an album that is written and recorded when she's a teenager. You know, she's, she's essentially packaged by, the record label and by, you know, MTV and all these media companies. And then she finds herself in this situation of kind of realizing very quickly, this is all BS. In terms of the broader scope of the time itself, it's a weird time in terms of Fiona Apple as an artist. It's exactly like you're saying where she comes from a long history of women, especially being essentially used by their record labels And at a young age, especially in order to sell themselves as something that they are not comfortable selling themselves as, but don't know how to 
reject it or resist against it or protest it. Um, she is somebody who has gone through a lot of trauma. It's what she writes a lot of her songs about at a very young age, especially. Um, and when title came out, it was so seismic that it's still, I want to say her, her best performing album at the time it came out, maybe since then more of her albums have sold more over time, but title, like when the pond didn't do as well as title, when it came out, that album was, was such a big deal when it came out, the music video for criminal was everywhere and was Fiona Apple at what, 17, 18 years old, like writhing around in her underwear. And like, she has come out and said, like, they made me do that. Like she, she was very much a part of a system and she wasn't quite sure how to maneuver in that system. And when she goes on TV and says, this world is bullshit and makes her whole speech about it at the, um, at the VMAs, I think it was like that moment in 97, I feel like that moment now would hardly ring any bells. People on Twitter would be like, Oh wow. But I feel like that moment was just replayed again and again. And people were like, this woman's got a bad attitude. She doesn't like, how can you accept an award and say it's bullshit? And like, there was such a culture of why aren't you grateful for what you've received without really like avenues in the public sphere for like, like listening to her or like really trying to understand what her point of view is, what she's gone through, why she's resistant to this system in the first place. This is also the time period where she ends up dating Paul Thomas Anderson, who she dates for years. And when the pawn is kind of made while dating him, I believe. And, you know, he directs all the music videos for the album. There's like mixed reports about what their relationship was like. She, she is just, I, I compare her so much in my mind to Kate Bush because Kate Bush is another artist who Weathering Heights comes out. It's her first single, much like Criminal. It's her first single that comes out when she's like 17 years old. She wrote it as like a 15 year old. Um, it makes her number one song in the, in, in the UK, makes her a huge star at a very young age. She becomes packaged in this way by her record label. That's like, keep pumping out music. You must keep doing this. You must wear this. You must perform like this. Um, and it causes her to release three albums in quick succession, all of which are not that great. They're fine. Um, and then stop touring and retreat and stop like talking to people and stopping like interviewing and just kind of cutting connections to the outside world and unless she absolutely needs to. And I feel like Fiona Apple had such a similar experience in that way where she is like, I am an artist and you're trying to package my artistry into a label system. Um, it just reminds me a lot of like Kurt Cobain. It, it reminds me so much of people who you can tell kind of want to make sure that their music is heard or they're like, I am an artist and an artist needs an audience, but then they kind of get more than what they wish for. And then they're not quite sure. What do I do? Like in the maelstrom of this, like how, how do I kind of handle everything that's happening at me right now? And the response tends to be, um, to like retreat or to act aggressively out of anger and frustration, totally understandably and scare people away, cause people to trash talk you. Um, like the, like title of this album is a poem about her public perception at the time. And like the way that people, perceived her. And it's very much an album that's in response to the success of her first album and the way that 
the public at large kind of treated her in response to that album. I don't know the, the late nineties in general also just a weird time. I feel like everybody was terrified of, um, Y2K and like uh, the president was on trial and it was just like, it was like a very strange time of transition. I feel like we talked about it when we talked about okay computer too, just in terms of music, it like there was new ways of recording and marketing music that were coming out, but nobody quite knew how to use them. Um, and so people were kind of being old school in their marketing techniques, but also some new things were coming out like the internet where they were trying to do things on the internet that were kind of awkward. And it it was, I don't know that those years leading up to the, to the two thousands, when I look back to living through them, it was weird. My, my weirdest years for sure. Here's another speech you wish I'd swallow. Another cue for you to fold your ears Another train of thought too hard to follow Chicken along to the song that belongs to the shifting of gears Please forgive me for my distance Pain is evident in my existence Please forgive me for my distance Shame is manifest in my much as we think of Fiona now as you know one of the greats and we go back and we look at like yeah she's five for five on great records like Brad like you were saying like rock critics music critics were very harsh they were the ones who were really harsh toward her saying that she's a brat she's melodramatic I mean it's 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 a young woman who writes about having to see a psychiatrist since she was little having suffered being raped when she was 12 years old and her music is being called melodramatic and bratty. Right. You know what I mean? You know, like she has a point of view. She has something to say and she's doing it beautifully and wonderfully and masterfully. Um, but with so many male rock critics, they're very quick to kind of discredit it despite title going platinum, you know, before when the pawn even comes out, you know, and then when the pawn with its title, um, of course, becomes that thing that she's doing to kind of say, hey, you're not going to make fun of me. And, you know, and I, you know, you can't make fun of me if what I'm doing is what I want to do when I'm putting it out there. And and then, of course, that just like becomes a thing that she gets made fun of for when the album comes out. It's like, ha, ah, look at this, you know, crazy long title, right. the title. And she thinks she's so brave, but look how small and skinny she is. She probably has an eating disorder, you know, you know like just, just cruel. You know, yeah. so much of what we were talking about earlier about everything being reevaluated now is that now we have more women writing about music who are seeing Fiona for what she is. You know, gen- you know, genius always gets attributed to men much quicker than uh, than women. Uh, so there's that, that I want to talk about, and also, yeah, just the '90s, the landscape of like titles coming out around the time where you have a Liz Fair and a lot more set. And Tori Amos, like, are all kind of in the zeitgeist and very popular. And a lot of this information I'm pulling from a recent write-up on Tidal and Pitchfork. And then by 99, it's the TRL landscape, Mm -hmm. right? Everything is is Brittany and Christina and Mandy Moore and Jessica Simpson and NSYNC and Backstreet Boys. But also on TRL, Corn and Limp Biscuit. You know, it's like, it's this, like, like, 
women in pop music very much look a certain way and anger in pop music very much looks a certain way. And then there's Fiona who's writing pop music. That's also fueled by anger that looks so completely different from both of them produced by the person who's scoring Magnolia, you know? Yeah. So like, what do you, what do you do when you get, when the pawn hits, like how, how do you begin to like digest this, this album? Well, there, there's a precedent to it, which is Jagged Little Pill, which you mm-hmm. saying Alanis Morissette really reminded me of that, that um, Jagged Little Pill comes out in the early 90s and it it is a similar kind of thing where it's a young woman singer-songwriter writing a spectrum of, of songs that are mostly angry and frustrated and loud and aggressive in this way that really resonates and really hits and people love you have Fiona Apple and then you have Billie Eilish who is sort of our proto I guess proto is the wrong word but like our current model of what Fiona Apple kind of would be now if she was just coming on the scene now where like Billie Eilish drops her first album just before 18 years old um angry music uh, talking about different experiences, obviously, but like the entree of her into the world is like, you will win every Grammy that you are nominated for. Everybody's obsessed with you. We praise you for writing music like this. And obviously a lot of people also praised, obviously Alanis Morissette, obviously Fiona Apple, but there is sort of a long lineage that goes pre nineties, obviously too, of women writing personal angry music and being both accepted into it and scorned for it. And Mm -hmm. it tends to be that follow-up. That's like, what are they going to do now? Are they still angry? How can they be angry? They, they have like a million dollars now. And Billie Eilish is the, is the example we have now where her new album comes out is maybe even like personally more angry than her, than her first album. And a lot of that, a lot of her new album, which is great, I think is so much about about being a celebrity and all of a sudden being super famous and ha- having everybody comment on everything that you do, commenting on your body, commenting on your music. And now like the anger that comes with that of being like, I am an artist who just wants to make art, but I also want to be popular. How do I, how do like, what do I do with that? And when the pawn is, is Fiona Apple's sort of version of, of that it's, it's in, angry album it's also a lovely album but it's also so much about her commenting on the way that she was accepted when she was accepted by everybody for her first album and the response to win the pawn is it's mixed i guess but like there is a huge response from critics of being like this is so angry and off kilter and like shouldn't she be like grateful for it how can you go like on an award show and say that like people are always going to have those kinds of responses and people just expect you especially as a woman um, expect you to, to be grateful for what you're, you are given essentially. And to, to kind of track that history in all artistic mediums, but we're talking about music right now, you can find like fence posts along, along music history where this happens again and again and again, multiple times each decade. Um, and she is just kind of part of that trajectory while also obviously being her own individual person. I used to walk down the streets on my way to school Grinding my teeth to a rhythm invisible I used my feet to crush dead leaves Like they had fallen from trees just for me Just to be crash symbols 
Working class like pass the time Drawing a slash for every time Second hand went by a group of five Done twelve times just a minute But Shamika said I had potential 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 Yeah, and I think that's important to say because it, it, it's easy, I think, for us to look at music today and to acknowledge these things that we really love about music today and especially how much of music today is is really driven by female artists in positions of power and autonomy that weren't there 20 years ago. But also recognizing that a, a Billie Eilish, a Phoebe Bridgers, a Taylor Swift, like they they are also kind of standing on the shoulders of this long lineage of people like Kate Bush and like Fiona Apple that, that came before who, who are kind of enduring this. I'm not willing to play these games anymore. Yep. And, and while, while title is, I mean, arguably maybe a more soulful album in its influences in, in, in some, in some of the music is maybe intentionally more kind of like classically pretty music. There is a bite to win the pawn that, that makes that album. I mean, the, 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 the punch back that Fiona is giving on win the pawn makes that album you i mean you still get a song like I, I know is the is the kind of like equivalent of titles never is a promise mm-hmm. but but most of when the pawn is a is a vicious album she the fiona is pissed off and making some of the best music of her career because of it and and all of her albums are like that like that is the magic of fiona apple for me i guess is she balances this, the, um, like romanticism Mm -hmm. and anger incredibly well. And, and, but she's never romanticizing her anger and, and it is a really particular distinction or I, I guess she like rarely does. Like she has songs that are very angry and they're incredible. She has songs that are very lovely and they're incredible. And it's, Um, she very rarely will do like an ironic song that is beautiful and lovely, but is with like angry lyrics. Like she, she kind of knows what she's doing, um, obviously, but all of her albums are like you say, what they are all, they're all punchbacks. Even, even title has, has angry songs as well. And then the rest of her career after that is her basically getting her emotional, I don't know, aggression or her emotional like extremity out in her music as much as possible. All of her albums after title, especially are generally aggressive. I don't like calling them angry albums because that seems strange, but like they are like aggressive albums in what they are doing in this way that I think is incredible. Like it's what, it's what makes her so good that she is unafraid, obviously to sing about what she is singing about. Like, um, fetch the bowl cutters is also a very angry album. And, you know, I guess ultimately what, what we're talking about is what's better uh, fetch the bowl cutters or win the pawn. And like, wh- how do they sort of speak to each other and how does that work They're They represent in my mind, 
the two stages of her career, which is the pop part of her career, which is her first three albums. And then her, her next two albums and who knows what comes after are very piano and drums driven. And it doesn't mean that they're only piano and drums, but like they're albums where she doesn't use John Bryan anymore. She, she changes producers obviously. And they are very stripped down and they're very poetry first and not overproduced or like extremely produced. They're very much like Fiona Apple is going to sit down at the piano. She's going to play piano and a drummer is going to overlay some drums on it or whatever it is. Um, and the stripped down nature of them really highlights how aggressive they are and they're fun to listen to because you can really feel the emotional state that she's in while performing them. And her earlier albums feel like performance. They, they feel much more like performative in, in a good way, like in a way that I really like where she is having an orchestral background and she has like horns that are added in and everything is, everything has that like John Bryan touch of making everything very swooning and romantic, even when it's, even when it's kind of angry. Um, but there are definitely two albums that speak to the music she's making now and has been making for the past 10 years. And then the music that she was making in the earlier part of her career, like the, they, they don't sound similar at all other than it's Fiona Apple, like her, her point of view, her voice, her lyrics. You want to make me sick. You want to lick my wounds, don't you, baby? You want the badge of honor when you save my heart. But you're the one in the way of the day of doom. on the rhythm section in her music I think is where we were talking yes. about earlier, like the Erica Badu uh, influence on, on like your big three I think that's where Fiona slides into the Erica Badu thing too is because it is like the rhythm section first and like beats first kind of like that that's what's going to drive the song and she's talked a lot about um, her love for hip hop uh, Fiona Apple yeah. so um, yeah a little out of place in the conversation but nevertheless I want to get that out there yeah yeah, let's go ahead and, and because we're we're here to talk about these two albums, Win the Pawn and and Fetch the Bolt Cutters. Let's start with this. What do you love about Win the Pawn? And and maybe what would be if you were arguing for its inclusion in our list, what would be the case you'd make for for this album in particular's inclusion? I think it's the most important album of her career. I think it's the album that um, that elevated her in the moment and in hindsight from a new pop artist with a huge debut album. It, it, it cemented her as somebody who was very important in pop music and, um, much like, okay, computer, I guess, like, well, I don't, I don't want to connect those two, but like, it, it is like, 
important artists have an album that even if they make better albums afterwards, there tends to be an album that might not be their first one that comes out that people are like, Oh, this is actually a very important artist instead of just like, Oh, this, this record is good. Or like, I like these songs on this album. Um, I I think it's the magic of John Bryan. Um, I don't know. Fiona Apple is, is obviously an incredible artist. I love her so much. My favorite two Fiona albums are the ones she made with John Bryan. And I think the combination of his ear and his production and her, like, what if I was a lounge singer who was pissed off? Like that is kind of her vibe on her early albums is I have an incredible voice and I know how to sing beautifully like an angel and scream at the top of my lungs. And I know when to use both of those weapons and mixing that sort of approach to, to making music with John Bryan's very lush production. Um, that again is very like drums forward at times, light horns in the background here and there. Like he, I don't know there, I don't know enough about what John Bryan is doing to really articulate it perfectly well, but I love his production style. I think he's a fantastic producer. Um, his score work is great. And to combine what he's doing with Fiona Apple's lyrics and approach to using her voice, which is like her main instrument, I think works so well for me. So I think for me, having a producer in the studio who really is a like close collaborator and giving new ideas is really great. And I think her later two albums, I love them both. I kind of think they're both like almost perfect. They feel very much like Fiona Apple did everything in those albums. And that's probably not true, but that's how they feel when I listen to them is she did everything. It's her vision. And I think her albums with John Bryan and when the pond, especially they feel like she owns all of it and has a collaborator who really understands what works with her. Um, so that's what I like the most is I just love the production of, of when the pond. Yeah. I read a quote, and preparing for this about how John Bryan was like, I want to be clear. Like these are Fiona Apple's songs. Right. He's writing these songs, like all of the fast you can, like all the tempo changes and all this stuff. Those are all her ideas. He's like, I'm there to add in like the colors. That's my job. Right. Like you said, like those flourishes, like, and I'm going to put in a Wolitzer here and yeah. I'm going to put, you know, like the, the, here's like, the French horn there. section. Yeah. yeah. Right. I'm and I do- don't, I don't think, I think what I don't love, the only thing I don't love about the later two albums is that there's not a lot of color. And I don't think you need to have a bunch of color. I think it speaks more to my personal taste maybe than anything else. Like, I don't think they are worse albums. I would just rather listen to an album that has color and flourishes. I mean, I also love like Van Dyke parks and any, anything that, it, you know what it is actually, it, it reminds me a lot of, of East of the uh, Joanna Newsom album East that is in my mind, incredible. And it's maybe my favorite Joanna Newsom album. When you move away from her work with Van Dyke's park on that album, it becomes m- more stripped down and she does have orchestration and a horn section and everything, but having a collaborator to work with who is a master at orchestral production is something I think I love. And I think there's only a very small handful of 
of producers who have a great year for orchestral production. And John Bryan is one of them. And I feel like collaborating with him, you're pretty much ensuring that he is going to help you maintain the vision of your songs while adding in colors and like a splash of color here and there. And those colors give me so much joy, essentially. I told you I didn't want to go to this dinner. You know I don't go for those ones that you bother about. So when they say something that makes me start to simmer, that fancy wine won't put this fire out. Oh, kick me under the table all you want. I won't shut up. I won't shut up. Kick me under the table all you want. I won't shut up. I won't shut up. I'd like to buy you a pair of pillows, old hiking boots To help you with your climb Or rather to help the bodies that you step over along your room So they won't hurt like mine Kick me under the table all you want I won't shut up, I won't shut up Kick me under the table all you want I won't shut up I don't know. I think we both agree that Fetch the Bolt Cutters feels more Fiona is like in charge. And I think yes. that's why I like it more because it doesn't have and again, I love John Bryan. I love what he does in hip-hop. I love what he does with Elliot Smith and Amy Mann and Fiona. But I there is a part of when the pawn that I think because of John Bryan's produ- production um, keeps it tethered to that, like that Largo scene, that particular moment, which is part of its appeal, mm. but also part of when I'm splitting hairs between Fiona albums, Eileen, that's the bolt cutters, but we're, we're jumping a little bit ahead here. I, I love Fiona Apple. And again, all cards on the table. I, I love all five of these albums. Um, but Man, the the what you get when you get John Bryan's production, and I think for our list, you know, one of the things that we talk about, you know, part of what makes an album an album isn't just the artist, but it is also, you know, who's who's producing it and the role that they play. And thinking about at least to this point, all the albums that. John Bryan has worked on as the primary producer. Um, yeah. What do we got? I actually, un- I want to, I want to look at it now to see. Yeah. So unless we were going to do, which I'm a fan of, I think, I think legisl- late registration is Kanye's best album that if, if we were going to put a Kanye album on our list, that would be, that would be my pick. Um, and he's, co- and he's a co-producer there. He is, he did the production on, uh, spoons, ga, 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 the, you know, he's, he's co-producer and co-writer on, uh, the, the first Dido album. Um, he's done a bunch of stuff with the old 97s and then Rhett Miller after the band, but really oh, he, he does beautiful freak by eels. That's that's good too. Another great. Um, he's he's done the production on most of the uh, Punch Brothers albums, um, which which again I'm 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 a fan of newgrass music. Um, but really, there's there's not 
we've already talked about him as a co-producer on some of the songs on blonde by frank ocean but there's there's really not anything else where i feel like his hand is as clearly seen start to finish on an album as it is on when the pond is i I agree again he like these are all fiona songs these are all her choices but what he's adding the the way he is smoothing the edges the way that he is you know he he knows exactly what instrument to put where and the exact you know who you know you think of the the 26 different musicians who play on this album and how many of them you can trace back the reason they're on this album is because of their relationship to john bryan that that he's almost single-handedly for providing all of the sounds that we hear at least in personnel even if it's stuff that was kind of the the idea or or kind of vision of fiona apple i think what john bryan brings to the plate on this album um is really tremendous and, and i'm with you I, I love fetch the bolt cutters um i, I love either wheel but those last two albums they they do feel much more like they, they feel much more like this is fiona apple in her two or three collaborators that she's working with now in a house together and there's, there's nothing wrong with that. There's, there's a real power and kind of a stripped down value in that as well. But, but I'm probably like you, Brad, I tend to prefer just, just a little more going on. There's, there's a lot of, there's yeah. a lot of um, pet sounds and Sergeant Pepper's only hearts club band that I hear in when the pond. Yeah. I, you know, just looking at his, sort of production career and you naming off some people. I, I think Fiona Apple is probably the, the smartest artist that he's like the best artist that he's worked with. And she's somebody who clearly is somebody who wants to collaborate. Like she is a collaborator. If he's going to work with Kanye West, Kanye West is not going to collaborate with him. I would imagine even in the late registration period, like that is somebody I have strong opinions about Kanye West, but like generally speaking, his whole thing is I have a big ego and my ego drives everything in a way that people who love him love that about him. But if you imagine producing an album of his, that sounds like a nightmare. Like I can almost guarantee you that John Bryan trying to produce Kanye West was probably John Bryan, like tearing his hair out and being like, do you want me to produce this or not? Um, even early in his career and Fiona Apple strikes me as somebody, especially early in her career, who was like hungry to collaborate, to bounce ideas off of somebody, to add in some pieces. Like you can see them in the studio together, working closely on these songs, on this music. And I think it's the mess that happens around extraordinary, uh, machine is like, is disappointing to her because it was a John Bryan album that then kind of got usurped because it didn't get finished and then co-produced. But the, the, like that kind of stuff frustrated her because I think she likes having a voice that she can collaborate with to help and drive her and the collaborators that she works with now, um, I feel like the albums feel to me like they are collaborators who she has an idea and they tell her that's a great idea. Let's run with it. Whereas John Bryan feels like a collaborator where she gives him an idea and he's like, yeah. And what about this? And she's like, Oh yeah. And what about this? And he's like, Oh yeah. What about this? And they can sort of feed each other ideas. Mm-hmm. Build, and building, building on top of each other, rather. building on top of each other. It, it feels like maximalist in this way that I think is great. And then her later albums are minimalist in, in a way that I think is great. Um, 
I'm going to be somebody who I'm, I'm good. Like I'm going to get a lot more replay out of the songs that are more maximalist because I can hear something new every time. And I feel like either wheel, I can't tell if I like idler wheel more than fetch the bolt color, uh, cutters, or if I just know it better because it's been out for 10 years. So like, you know, those albums are basically the same to me. I feel pretty similar about them. Um, because one of them is so new. Um, but I don't, when I listen to them a couple of times, I kind of know what I'm getting every time I listen to them in a way that I love because I love the songs, but even listening to win the pond now, I hear new things almost every time, both in her performance and in the production in a way that excites me a lot. I don't know. They're, they're obviously Fiona Apple songs, but like track one on the album, for example, on win the pond, um, why am I blanking? What's that song called? Uh, on the bound. Thank you. Um, when I listen to on the bound, that's a song that is a great opening track and, um, keeps on going. It's a long song. It keeps on going on and on. It kind of has a jammy ending and probably Fiona Apple's involved in that, but it's a mission statement for John Bryan and it's him being like, okay, now is like my turn to play. And he adds these great horns. The production is fantastic in it. And that is a song where you can hear the, the collaboration like perfectly where you have John Bryan moments, you have Fiona Apple moments. Paperback is another great example of this where the horn, uh, the horns that are, I think arranged by somebody else, but the ways that they're like produced in the background is like, you can feel the collaboration in a way that's really exciting to me. And you're picking between two perfect things essentially, which, you know, like so many of these conversations are like, do you love the perfect thing or do you love the other perfect thing that you might like slightly less? And it's like, it doesn't really matter. (laughs) They're both, they're both like, kind of perfect objects in their own way the newest perfect thing or the perfect thing that we've been sitting with for over 20 years yeah exactly right right i was staring at the sky just looking for a star to pray on or wish on or something like that i was having a sweet fix of a daydream of a boy whose reality i knew was a hopeless to be had but then the Dove of hope began its downward slope And I believed for a moment that my chances were approaching to be grand But as it came down near, so did a weary tear I thought it was a bird, but it was just a paper bag Hunger hurts, and I want them so bad I would kill cause I know The focus, these hands are too shaky to hold. Hungers, starving works when it comes to love. I want to say one more thing about Fetch the Bolt Cutters as we're kind of like building up to talking about that record. Um, I don't see it as minimalist. Now it's mm. minimalist in that it's fewer instruments on the track. That's what I mean. Mostly but, when I say minimalist, but it is still like maximal, like percussion. So like what, what you're losing is instead of organs and like woodsers and this and that, like a bunch of studio toys that John Bryan uses. Again, I love my Beals pick with Sergeant Pepper. I love this stuff. I love smile. Um, you know, so, but like the percussion stuff, again, 
I am a drummer. So like what I really respond to is, is yeah. percussion and, and a rhythm section. So like having the upright bass with all of the percussion, which aren't even drums um, for the most part, they're found objects. Um, one of the sounds you hear are her like tapping on a box of her dog's ashes you know, like there's they're right. like that kind of stuff. You're like, no, this is interesting. So like when I hear the song, when I listen to Fetch the Bolt Cutters, I'm hearing like so many more things I've never heard before. Because you'll just hear like suddenly in the mix, like especially if you have headphones and you're like, okay, something just happened in this year that is a sound of an object that I cannot identify. Yeah. You know what I mean, so, and that becomes a very exciting game where you're like, okay, so, and also she's recording on GarageBand which is bananas. Like did she recorded on garage band, garage band. <laughs> so like, what a weirdo that's <laughs> already bonkers. <laughs> um, yeah. So I, I love that aspect of it. Um, that there's so much more to hear because um, you hear her mistakes. You um, yes. like listening for that is very interesting. And then how she uses those mistakes to just like, well, I'm going to do this run or I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. You know? So it, she becomes this like, jazz improvisationist and that can't be right but you know so there's something more playful about it instead of just like crafting the perfect song yes it's like well what happens if i'm in the moment and we're just finding it together and we're like messing around yeah i I love that it's totally true about that album that it it's very playful um those are really good observations it was really making me think about um jazz artists or whatever. Cause I, I do consider Fiona Apple like a contemporary jazz artist in, in a weird way. Um, it, it just reminds me of like Coltrane's career or something like that. Like an artist who, um, has big ideas early in their career and pursues and accomplishes those big ideas. And then their next big idea is let's have fewer people in the room and let's like mess around and have fun with it and see what we can find with exploration. And I think her new stuff is more about like you're saying play and exploration. Um, and she's like making jokes on the new album. Like she's funny and she just seems the, the, there's an anger or like a bite, I guess is a better way of putting it to the songs, but she seems like she's smiling while singing them. Whereas her earlier stuff, she seems like she's in the middle of it. Um, but yeah, it's, it's what I love most about, about bolt cutters is the playfulness of it. It's a really great observation, I think. Ooh, my nation's on the looming effect and the parallax view and the figure and the foam and the revolving door that keeps turning out more and more good women like you. Yet another woman to whom I won't get through My nation's on the loon effect On the parallax view And the figure and the foam And the revolving door That keeps turning out more and more Good women like you Yet another woman to whom I won't get through Ladies, 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 ladies Take it easy, Wendy me, please be my guest. Do whatever I might have left in his kitchen cupboards, in the back of his bathroom cabinets, and oh yes, oh yes, oh yes, there's a dress in the closet. Don't get 
the ex of mine, she left it behind with a note, one line it said, I don't know if I'm coming across, but I'm really trying, she was very kind. No human being is able to be fully objective about something they love. And so if you love music, the idea of like complete objectivity, like to be able to stand back and be like, Oh, well it's this over this. Well, I, I have a personal relationship to win the pawn that right, I don't right. have to fetch the bolt cutters. Like every time I listen to win the pawn, like you're saying, I'm remembering all the previous times that I listened to, like it remind it, there, there is an, it's not even like a nostalgia because it wasn't like childhood or anything like, like that, but there is me rem, like I know is one of my favorite songs. Mm-hmm. That song is that song like makes me cry. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Um, but every time I listen to that song, I'm like, ah, I remember the first time that I really fell in love with this song. Like there is that emotional history that's connected to, to things. Sorry, not to interrupt you, but it just no, no, that, that. that's it. It's exactly, exactly what I was going to say. Makai and I've been talking some this week about just kind of sharing with him, you know, the, the emotional relationship I have to this album and it, the reality is as much as I love fetch the bolt cutters, fetch the bolt cutters is not an album that was around when I was 19 years old and going through like my first real serious, like heartbreak breakup and all like, like all of, all of the personal things that this album meant to me in the moment, like fetch the bolt cutters just doesn't mean that for me. And it doesn't mean that I, I think they are, I, I, for me, they're one and two in terms of my, my favorite Fiona Apple albums. And I mm. love so many things about both of those albums. And so then the difference really comes down to something that's completely entirely subjective, which is what does it mean to me as a human being? And I, you know, part of the conversation and it kind of already is, but undoubtedly will be, can you add something to a greatest list without time to allow its stature to, to grow or whatever. It's, it's Rolling Stone putting fine line on their 500 greatest albums list last year. And me like scoffing at them. I'm like, why would you do that? It, he's already come out with a better album in the year since like what I don't understand, but that's a different thing. <laughs> but like, I do think that when enough time has passed, I'm going to really fall in love with fetch the bolt cutters as a, as a memory of my terrible year in lockdown. Like that is going to be my connection to, to that album. And I mean it in a good way. I don't mean like I'm going to avoid it because it's going to remind me of bad times. I just mean, it's gonna, it's going to remind me of what it was like to have a stunning work of art enter my life at a very dark period of, of the world of, of my life and the the world at large. And it's going to take on more and more weight and resonance as time goes on. Um, in the same way that her other albums have as well. I, I, um, I was record shopping, uh, a couple hours ago and they were in the record store. They were playing operation Ivy. And as I was flipping through records, I was amazing myself by knowing every single word and beat and everything to every song on the op Ivy album that they were playing. And I was like singing under my mask in the record store. And it, I was like, are they selling this? Like, I was like, I want to buy this. <laughs> like it, I like that. It's just a, such a good example of like, there are certain albums or me, like certain pieces of music or whatever it is that when they come on, 
are reminding me of why I love music, when I started to love music, what did it like, how my taste in music has evolved over time and how it hasn't evolved over time as well. Um, and Fiona Apple reminds me of that a little bit of like, I can revisit because so much time has passed. I can revisit when the Pond and extraordinary, uh, machine, which is my favorite Fiona Apple, uh, Apple album. I can revisit them and be like, Oh my God, remember when I was like obsessed with this album, I was listening to it all the time. And, and then as it's playing, I'm like, wow, it's still great. And it is like the memory of listening to it every time is going to remind me of not only, Oh, this is a great album, but remind me of like who I am as a person, why I love music in general. Um, and it's exciting to think that I could have that relationship with bolt cutters and idler wheel which i don't listen to very much anymore but when it came out i was like obsessed with it and i feel like it's gonna be really great to play that album in five years and be like oh my god remember this album and then like kind of like fall in love with it as a memory as well as the object itself if that makes sense what was your first impression then of of fetch the bolt cutters when it came out my first impression was um excitement that fiona apple was back and that she was just as great as she ever was like that. It sounds kind of like a silly thing, but that was my initial impression was this album is incredible. And how lucky are we that Fiona Apple has made new music for us without like giving us a heads up about it. How great, like how lucky are we that we get a new Fiona Apple album and that it sounds like Fiona Apple. It sounds like what we love from her and there's a lot to dig into. Like there, there's just a lot of meat on those bones of, of that album um, that obviously like I haven't p- picked off in a lot of ways. And I, you know, I also had that initial um, unfortunate feeling of like, oh great, a lot of people are going to like jump on the bandwagon of Fiona Apple now or whatever, you know, which is so unfair. And so it's the feeling I have right now about Kate Bush because of Stranger Things where like my impulse, my my ego or whatever is it rises up really angrily and it's like, you guys don't know Fiona Apple. How, how could you like know what like running up the hill means? Um, and I also like don't like Stranger Things. So I'm like, why would Stranger Things use this of all things? And, you know, it's my ego. That's like my initial reaction to something. And then, you know, the better part of me steps in and is like, it doesn't matter. <laughs> like, let people enjoy what they enjoy. It really doesn't matter. The object is what is great. Not only does it not matter, but like, it's fantastic that more people are going to, to get into it. Music wise, my initial reaction to the album was this sounds like Idler Wheel it, which I'm very grateful for. Like, I'm, it's really exciting to me that she made it that like, this is kind of her style now. Um, and obviously they're, they're very different. I think either wheel is more sparse. Um, uh, like everything about it is kind of, it feels like two people playing instruments and this album has like a lot more weight to it in, in the production. Um, but it's not orchestral. It's not, it's not like her old, her old style of music. So it, it excited me that she, has her style of music that she's making now and isn't just like let me try something new with each album which i think is cool like i like that that there is consistency amongst them but i mean i thought it was great first time i heard it because it's fiona apple people like us we play with a heavy balloon we keep it up to keep the devil at bay but it always falls way too soon people like us we play with a heavy balloon 
Keep it up to keep the devil at bay, but it always falls way too soon. People like us, we play with a hell of a loop. We keep it up to keep the devil at bay, but it always falls way too soon. I spread it like strawberries. What is the case for vote cutters as the album to make this list? I mean, there there are so many things about this album that about the making of the album because I think that that helps, right? When we're talking about what makes an album great, sometimes it's not just the songs; it's all the other stuff. But oh, where to begin? I mean, I, I think there's something pretty perfect about this coming out April 2020. I mean, real height of COVID, uh, an album that's mostly just made in her house by herself a lot of it on GarageBand and then like having people add like other really fun elements afterward that aren't, that are percussive almost exclusively. And as a drummer, I'm just drawn to that. And I think that there's a lot of interesting, um, well, like Brad was saying, it's like that, that post love Supreme era Coltrane, that like Ascension meditations era, the overblown notes, the two competing drummers and time signatures. It's, it's that kind of thing. Um, that and, and Alice Coltrane, who she also really loves, but um, but I mean, just something like I want, uh, I want you to love me, which is like, well, that's already starting off not like a Fiona song and not like a Fiona album, but like a really beautiful sounding love song that's not ironic really in any way. And then it, and then it's just so bold to for it to end. She messes up on the keys. And then she's like, oh, oh, I'm scrambling. Where do I go from here? And then she starts scatting in a way that's just like peculiar. She's, she's finding new ways at this point in her career to rediscover her voice as an instrument. Yeah. Which I think is always interesting that we don't allow a lot of you know, singers to do, um, especially older women. We don't even let them exist in pop music for very long, you know, and, and they certainly don't get to, come out with records like this it was supposed to come out in october but she was just like we'll do it in april you know so so good honor for doing that so her rediscovering her voice and then i read um she did a a great interview that jen pelly former guest on the podcast did for pitchfork just a, yeah, a great very, very generous um with her information that she gave in that interview it's it's really incredible but she says that she found out or realized later that what she was doing, the sound she was making at the end of that song was um, her sister's dog, when she would get really excited to see her, would do this like yapping sound. And so that's the sound Fiona Apple makes when she sees her sister. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so it's like, oh, she's doing like a, a little dog sound. And but this and I'm getting somewhere. There's a dog on the album cover. There are dogs on the on the label and 
you know your girl's gonna quote running up the hill like this is her to me her like hounds of love statement as a record they're not very similar as records at all right there's no side two where it's like buckle up like we're you know there's the, there's no waking the witch on this album is what i'm saying um but you know there there is a reference to kate um in there you know about running up yeah. the hill and and having the dogs um the dog on the cover and the, letting the dogs bark as she lets garage band run you know like there's something jen when she wrote about it and the pitchforks coveted perfect 10, uh, which they rarely happen, but she was saying that it's, um, she described it as being like anti-capitalist in a way because it is, um, doesn't seek perfection and it is, is very feminist in its ideals and it's uh, going against the label and some decisions that she's making, you know, so it's a very, you know, complex album in a number of ways and making a lot of statements and just in the way that it's being made in the way it's being released, which is very fun. Um, and that's from the song, Fetch the Bolt Cutters. But I, I love looking at the title, like when the pawn, right? That kind of boxing metaphor, like I'm going to get back in the ring and you can't take me down, you know, that kind of thing. But I love to fetch the bolt cutters. just like, I'm just going to cut the ropes off the ring. and I'm going to get out of here. Like I'm going to do my own thing. Like yeah. I don't, I don't have to do that. It's an album that Fetch the Bolt Cutters is an album that doesn't feel like she's fighting anymore yeah. but I, I don't mean that she's like given up i mean like like she doesn't feel the need to fight anymore like it feels like i think i said this earlier like it feels like she's happier um yeah. it, and it's exciting like as she should be yeah and, uh, and the other reason why jen said that it was uh, anti-capitalist is that's also like anti-competition right so much of the right was like why are women pinning themselves against each other you know what I mean? And um, giving up that fight too of like, why am I fighting with other women? Like ladies, 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 like what are we doing here? You know, like I, I love that about it. You know, it's um, a great, I mean, it's definitely in Jen and everyone else has written that it is kind of also like a perfect statement for like the me too movement or post me too movement. Um, it, it comments on that a lot. I think it comments on COVID um, not just because of his release, but how it was made also very much just in the house. She's uh, spoke a lot about the house being an instrument, taking things from around the house and using literally using those ass instruments to make the music um, and, and citing right on the back of the record. Um, not just that it's like in Venice Beach or whatever, but using the, the name of the indigenous lands and giving credit to that. Like it's it's just this great moment. And like, this is what music can be going forward in 2020. Like, these are the things that we'll have access to. Um, these are the, the kind of comments that we want to make about indigenous people, about women, about violence, about politics. You know, there's um, about depression, um, right? There's still, she's still revisiting that, but in a way that's a lot more resilient or victorious on things like Heavy Balloon uh, for her, um, which is a very uh, intense uh, like Me Too song that is about a woman that she knows in Hollywood who's been a victim of sexual assault. And just like the way she uses her vocals and the way she rediscovered her voice there, it's, it's just so unique to her discography, the way she's using her voice. Um, I can I compare it to Let England Shake by PJ Harvey, which I prefer over Rid of Me and any of her 90s stuff. I Next season, I will be making the case for Let England Shake. You know, um, so all those reasons... I think that Fetch the Bolt Cutters is is in the conversation. I think it's, even though there are more collaborators 
on when the pawn, I think the collaboration is much tighter here with her couple of bandmates. There, there's a much more intimate setting for that collaboration. It's not just like John Bryan be like, I know a guy and then, you know, like right. bring that guy in, you know, it is. And she, she calls it her band. Um, Sebastian, I forget his last name. Who's quoted like, you know, it was Sebastian says I'm a good man of storm. You know, she Sebastian calls Steinberg. Him, yeah, she yeah. she refers to him as her husband, because um, like her band is like she's like I don't really feel like I need kids or a husband. I have my husband, which is like her whole band. But Sebastian is one of the you know she's funny guys. She is like, funny. Um, but also looking at the covers, right? Like when the pawn, even though she's smiling, like on that cover, you know I love the picture on this one that has her face but it's like that like extreme close-up really bad like iphone angle kind of picture that's like silly and goofy and a lot of the songs are goofy and funny and you know the dog right above her on the cover you know there's there's something so much this this is a liberated album a liberated woman a a set of songs that are tools of liberation with little intricacies in there, like on the song Fetch the Bolt Cutters, the chords that she decided to use were C, A, G, and E. That like cage, just like, all right. Like that's just something that's that, that's just for her to know, you know, until she let it go. So she, it. Until she told people. <laughs> until, until she told, you know, that's something you wouldn't know until the end of the year when everyone's trying to get that hot interview, you know, um, but yeah, so it's just, there, there's so much on there. It's, it's so of the time in a way that's much more, you know, on her own terms. Like when the pawn is of the time in a way that sounds like, you know, like the Largo scene, you know, fetch the bolt cutters is of the time where it's just like, this is just a woman who's commenting on the time, but no one else is making this record. Nobody else could make this record. And as influential as it may be, no one else will make a record like this. Until now it was day next day Up until now in a rush to prove But now I only move to move I'm not gonna to order away Up until now it was day next day Up until now in a rush to prove But now I only move to move I'm not gonna to order away Up until now it was day next day Up until now in a rush to prove But now I only move to move I'm not gonna to order away up until now it was day next day Up until now in a rush to prove But now I only move to move Oh, I got not to war all away Up until now it was day next day Up until now in a rush to prove But now Let's just take turns going around and do the five Fiona Apple albums in right, order. Right. Which what you think what you think are, are are best to I hate to say worst, but like sure. What what do you think is the best or the one that's the, the least strong? You know, what what's how do you rank these five albums and we'll sure. all go around and then uh Brad will ask you to kind of weigh in on what you think. So let's do this. Since, since Brad, you're our guest, Makai and I are going to go first, and then we're going to let you go last to kind of settle the debate between us. So Makai, why don't you start us off? Okay, five I think is title, um, but I love title, and I, it's it's such a I mean, well, okay. I mean, 
I don't know why I keep defending myself. Like there, there has to be a fifth album, right? They're all great. Title, title is there. Um, it's as great as debut album can be. And it's a great glimpse of like what she's capable of Four, idler wheel. I'll put it four. Um, three, um, is a complicated album, but extraordinary machine. Um, because I think it's fantastic. And I don't care which mix you put on there. The the one that leaked or the other one, um, those songs stand on their own um, as, as great songs. Um, and then number two for me, this is no surprise, is Win the Pawn. And the number one um, is Fetch the Bolt Cutters. Um, and I, I want people to be comfortable saying that New albums, you know, there is a recency bias, but I think I can objectively say that, you know, why I think this actually is number one. I kind of want to get people comfortable lit- allowing new albums to like kind of like take over, especially from someone who is like a woman in her 40s now, you know, being like, she's still great. It's not just when she was just this young new thing, you know, so that that's that's my order. title, either a wheel, extraordinary machine when the pond fetch the bolt cutters. All right. For me, I'm going to say number five, it's idler wheel. Oh. Number four is title. Three would be extraordinary machine. But with, with the caveat that for me, I think two and three are depending upon the day I could, I could take either one. Um, I, I think I would really put extraordinary machine in fetch the bolt cutters kind of that close to one another. So I'm going to say today three is extraordinary machine. Two is fetch the bolt cutters. And number one is win the pawn. And, and again, I mean, we've, we've talked about all the reasons why, but I think that I think 20 years from now, I think once I've had 23 years to sit with fetch the bolt cutters, you know, I, I don't imagine we'll still be doing this podcast then, but, you know, ask me in 23 years, what, what I think of vegetable cutters. And that may be, that may be different, or maybe the Fiona album that's going to come, you know, the Fiona Apple album that's going to come out eight years from now, will trump all of them and just be, be the new best one. But um, at this point, I, I still think win the pawn is her best album. Yeah. Not that this means anything, but I also think that Fetch the Bolt Cutters will be in the top 10 for the decade. And I'm not 100% sure that When the Pawn is top 10 best album of the 90s. And that also, I think... I think it is. But helps me lean. I haven't done that list. I also think... I, I don't know. I just have a different opinion than you that I, I think adding time does allow you to reflect more fully on the breadth of both the time period that Nam came out and the artist's career and everything of like having time to stew on something can bring out more features of the album that you might not know. And comparing bolt cutters to everything else coming out in this decade is easier because there's going to be a lot of things that come out in this decade that we're not really going to realize is great or even know about to the same degree that we now realize is great about albums that, have come out in the nineties yeah. that like at the time in 1999 or 2000, we might have been like not even included them, but now would we would be like, Oh, this album is clearly classic. And just at the time, nobody really knew it. Um, <laughs> and like maybe like airplane over the sea is a good example of that or something. Um, I don't know. That album was kind of big when it came out, but I feel like 
there are just albums that kind of right. Um, my five, uh, I think her pretty good album is title. I think I don't like it quite as much as YouTube, but I, but I like it. I think it's great. I think it's a good debut. Um, I think her great albums are bolt cutters and idler wheel. I always read the title of that one. So my five is title. My four is idler wheel. My three is bolt cutters. Um, those are of a piece to me. I think they're both great. And then my two is when the pawn and my one is extraordinary machine, but I'm a big extraordinary machine stan largely because I think the opening and closing track of that album are maybe my two favorite Fiona Apple songs, extraordinary machine and, um, and waltz like the production on that album is kind of unbelievable. And I think it strikes for me the balance that I love the most, like she is so angry on that album and the production is so lush and beautiful. And when those things hit in a, in a combined way, it does a lot for me. Like that album like makes me like pump my fist, and like jump for joy. But I do think it's a pretty minority opinion. Um, I think when the pawn and extraordinary machine are, are her perfect albums, I think they're both incredible. Um, it's again, it's the John Bryan effect maybe. Um, and then I think the other two will maybe go up in estimation. I think to, to your point, Micaiah, it doesn't, it doesn't make me uncomfortable or afraid at all to put a newer album on a greatest albums list or whatever it is to, to think of it as amazing. The difference is that all of her albums are great. All of her albums are amazing. And I think if you had an artist, you know, I'll, I'll just go back to Waxahachie because of what's, it's what comes to mind. I think St. Cloud is so clearly the best album she's made and it will go down as one of the best albums. And it's clear because the other albums that have, that she has released have all been good albums, but there's a big, there's a big gap, I think between her earlier stuff and that album. Um, And I think a lot of people would concede to that. Whereas Fiona Apple is an artist where, and there's a lot of them, a lot of artists like this, where basically every album is great. And so to, and so it is kind of important in my mind to give it time to stew in comparison with another perfect object to be like, is that like, what is the resin? What, like, how is this going to resonate over time? How is it going to echo? How is it going to influence? Because the earlier stuff we know has done that. And these things are, a lot of people would say just as good as each other in totally different ways. Um, That's kind of what the difference is, is that, when the artist is so important and the music they make is so consistently great, that's when I think time really allows you to see like what rises to the top out of perfection, essentially as the, as the deciding, I don't know. It's not really a deciding thing, but as the last one to go, I would make the argument that when the pawn is her best album and extraordinary machine is my favorite of hers. Like I do think that she's an artist who kind of brings that opinion out of me. Um, where there are parts of it's what I call like a sure, sure, sure album where people can lob criticisms at extraordinary machine. It's kind of inconsistent. And every criticism that's lobbed, I'm like, yeah, yeah, sure, sure, sure. Like I, I understand, <laughs> but for whatever reason, it's the one that really made me fall in love with her and then go back and revisit when the pawn. Um, and I think when the pawn is kind of a perfect object and, um, but Extraordinary Machine, for whatever reason, is the one that, when I listen to it, hits the hardest for me personally. 
many times do I have to say to get away, get gone? Live your shit past another lass's humble dwelling. You got your game, made your shot, and you got away with a lot, but I'm not turned on. So put away that meat you're selling. Cause I do know what's good for me And I've done what I could for you But you're not benefiting And yet I'm sitting Singing again Sing, sing again How can I deal with this? If you won't get with this I'm not gonna heal from this You won't admit to it Nothing to figure out I gotta get him out It's time the truth goes out That he don't give a shit about So we always end with this question. What are your top five albums? And because you've already been on the pod twice before, you can interpret this however you want. If this is five from this year, five that you're listening to lately, if you want to just give us your top five from 2020 when Fetch the Bolt Cutters came out, you can do whatever you want, interpret that however you'd like, but give us five albums that our listeners should go pick up today. Okay, I'm going to give you five albums that I've been listening to a lot recently. And they may be albums that have come out this year or last year. So I think the stuff I'm listening to most right now is coffee. You guys know coffee. She's a reggae artist. Um, so coffee has a new album, uh, called gifted, um, that I would highly recommend. It's like Neo reggae. It's like a reggae album, but it sounds like Rihanna doing reggae or something like that. It's like a pop, it's like a pop reggae album. Um, so really recommend that I've been listening to Harry's house a lot. I like Harry Styles. I like his new album a lot. I would recommend that. Um, the new uh, Wednesday album that came out over the summer, I would put on that five as well. It's called Twin Plagues. Um, when I when I saw Beach Bunny recently, Wednesday opened. Did they open for you too, Rob? Yeah. So yeah. Wednesday was um, a band that when this album dropped in like August, I thought it was okay. And then I saw them live and was like, Oh, this is that band and got really into this album. So this album is called twin plagues by Wednesday. I would really recommend that. Um, maybe my favorite album of the year might end up being air by salt. Um, it came out earlier this year. It's like vocal orchestrations. It's like experimental album. Um, it's really hard to, to, to uh, describe, but I've been doing a lot of like walking around my neighborhood, just uh, listening to that album on headphones. It's very vibey. It's very like, um, maximalist in a, in a lot of ways that I think is a lot of fun. And then the fifth one, I think I will, mm, I think the other album that's come out this year that I've just been really digging is, um, is the wet leg album. Wet leg is this band from England. And then, uh, a little asterisk to include I'm easy to find by the national, which I've been listening to a lot. I, I, I love that, that you uh, added us on Twitter 
Because we asked, what's the best national album? And I think I only included Alligator Boxer. You didn't include the best one, which is I Am Easy to Find. I, find. <laughs> I know. And I was just like, man, you don't even know how badly I would just do like a bonus episode on I'm Easy to Find, the album in the short film, because I'm always ready to go. We've done the national twice this season somehow. Wow. I would do it the third time. Just a time. I, you know, it's another band where I've never liked them. I, I don't like Matt matt berninger's voice or whatever i just don't like his voice to like his heavy bass i just don't like it um and i saw that it also doesn't help that i saw them live when i was in college because i went to a festival and they played like i didn't choose to go see them and i thought it was terrible and they were so bad and everybody in the crowd was like crying while listening to them and i was like this band sucks yeah so i've never been able to get into them but then um a friend of mine put a song um, put where is her head i think on a mixtape oh. for me a couple years ago and i was like oh this is what the national sounds like and then the answer is like, yes and no. Like I am easy to find um, the album sounds like the national, but also kind of not because of all the like um, guest vocalists, but that album is great for an older album. I've listened to is that I would say I'm really looking forward to the new Carly Rae Jepsen album, which will come out soon, hopefully. And then 100 Gex has been promising a new album since last year that was supposed to come out in the spring and hasn't come out yet. So those are albums that I'm just like listening to the singles right now, anticipating the albums. That's where I'm at. We love having you on, but one of our favorite reasons to have you on is that you are the managing editor of an incredible, uh, incredible magazine and a place where people can uh, get all sort of great writing online. Can you tell us a little bit about Wigwag Bag before you go? Uh, sure. So Wigwag, I've been doing for a few years now. Um, we're actually publishing issue 20 in a couple of weeks. So our 20th issue is coming out pretty soon, but it's personal essays about movies. Um, Micaiah has been a part of it. Um, and yeah, it's just writing about movies, but from a personal lens. So people tend to interpret that in a number of different ways, but tends to be my personal experience with this movie or what this movie means to me personally. Um, and then I am in the beginning stages of um, getting a podcast off the ground about movies as well, which will kind of be a subsidiary of Wigwag in Wig a way. Pod or? No, but I'm going to connect it to Wigwag. Just, you know, a little shared audience. Let's bring yeah. some people in. Well, that's exciting. Yeah. I noticed you have a microphone this time. So I was like, Oh, isn't it fancy? That can't, that can't be just for us. He looks like an old timey game show. I, I, I know it's an interview mic. So it's omnidirectional and it's a, uh, Really skinny. I look like Bob Barker. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and for those who want to follow you on social, can you, can you tell us where they can find you online? Um, just follow Wigwag Mag on Twitter at Wigwag Mag. And wigwagmag.com or wigwag.com? Wigwagmag.com. Yes. There it is. Love it. Love it. Brad, thanks for being with us. Always a pleasure, bud. Thanks, y'all. I'll talk to you later. All right, have a good one. Bye-bye. Rob, I would be lying if I said I wasn't a little bit bitter. Um, because to me, it seems obvious that Fetch the Bolt Cutters is the better album. Of course, I have to acknowledge, right, this is where I really come on the Fiona bandwagon. You know, I, I had heard some other stuff and I was like, yep, that's good. 
I get that this is good, but this is the album that like blew me away and like cemented me as like a fan of Fiona Apple. What what I appreciate is that you and Brad, your arguments weren't is too new, right? Like we had folklore came out the same year. The only difference is that with, you know, Taylor Swift, right? Her career starts 2008, 2006, you know, you know, that. so even her earliest albums, we haven't had, we've only had like 15 years versus the plus 20 years of when the pawn, you know? So I get that when the pawn has been sitting there and been appreciating over time. So I, I can't be too mad. Right. Cause you, you just can't divorce yourself from like the decades, right. Worth of like memories and attachments of, of listening to the record. But I, I am a little bit bitter because I, I, I was firmly planted on fetch the bolt cutters, uh, but I completely understand why when the pawn uh, is our pick. Yeah. And, and you know, what's funny is after our conversation, I, I find myself going here are my reasons for when the pawn, but I think also kind of going back to what we talked about in the intro, which is just the, the idea that there are so many people that you and I respect. There are so many music journalists that you and I love to read. There are so many uh, sources that you and I are fans of. And I think fetch the bolt cutters is a phenomenal album. Um, it really a kind of, a, a, a reinvention in many ways of Fiona Apple. It is, um, it is her best album by some distance of the 21st century. And I also wonder once I've had longer to live with it. So I, th- I think about it again, you know, the, the slow burn of when the pond, this is an album that has only grown for me in 23 years. I wonder even three, four, five, seven years removed from the release of fetch the bolt cutters. Am, am I going to change? Is, is my, is my view on that going to change? Is my opinion on that going to change as I live with this album longer? Will it, will we have to go back? Will, do we have to go back in the fourth or fifth season of this podcast and go, Hey, we, we need to change it. Turns out it, it is fetch the bolt cutters. And so I, I like this album enough. I like Fetch the Bolt Cutters enough that I'm entirely willing to admit that that may be, that there may be great likelihood of, of that happening. Um, the only real difference is, is a deeply personal one. And, and that's just the reality that, you know, you and I have talked about it, um, you know, privately that for me, there's so much in my life. There's so much in this kind of young adulthood season of my life that is intricately tied to this album that for me, even if I put those albums head to head and kind of viewed them as, you know, as, as kind of the joint best albums of Fiona Apple's career, which in fairness, I probably do. I mean, that's, that's how close it is. It's hard for me not to pick when the pawn for the simple fact that it just means more to me on a personal level than fetch the bolt cutters. Um, but again, that, that may change. And I, and, and I'm also excited about the idea for like people, my kid's age, like my, you know, my 12 year old daughter, like is, is fetch the bolt cutter is going to be her when the pond hits, like, is, is, is that what's going to happen? And so I'm, I'm excited for our listeners. I'm excited for our younger listeners who maybe haven't been exposed to Fiona Apple yet. Um, whether it's going back and discovering when the pond or whether it's falling in love, like you did, 
with fetch the bolt cutters and letting that be the entree that sends you into the catalog, the back catalog of Fiona Apple's work. I, I just, I love the idea of us giving this artist some appropriate representation on this list. Cause I think she is one of the most interesting artists out of the last 25 years. I, I'm not like mad because I, I, this is my second favorite Fiona Apple record. You know what I mean? So like, I'm not, uh, okay, I'm not mad, but I, I am a little disappointed. And I think this is the, maybe the second loss I've had maybe in the verses that we've done this season. Yeah, over overall, over the course of this podcast, um, you still have a pretty impressive winning record against me. And, and we also have at least one more coming up this season. That's right. Uh, coming up pretty soon, Public Enemy. It takes a nation of millions to hold us back versus fear of a black planet. Yeah. Um, which and, I'll, I'll say right now is a little teaser. I think it takes a nation is important because it's the first of its kind. But I think fear of a black planet, the follow-up is the best of its kind. Yeah. And I, I will let you know, just a, just a heads up in the week that we have been putting this episode together, you have also likely seen in the last week, the new Rolling Stone list of the 200 greatest hip hop albums of all time. And uh, boy, oh boy, are we going to have some things to say about that. Um, there we're going to have to be careful because our guest is a contributor to that list. Yeah, I know. So we're, we're, we're let's just say we're going to get into it. We, we are, we are going to get into it and uh, it's going to be a good time either way. But listener, what do you think about Fiona Apple? Did we get this pick right? Are we crazy to not give it to the first pitchfork perfect score in 10 years? Uh, the, the Metacritic second highest rated album of all time. Are we crazy not to give it to fetch the bolt cutters or are you part of Gen X or early millennial? Like I am where you have that same personal relationship to win the pawn. And you are so excited that we did this album. Either way, we want to hear from you, reach out to us online you can reach out to us on Instagram at you forgot one on Twitter at you forgot one pod. And of course our website is you forgot one.com, which we'll be updating shortly to provide some of the lists in some of what we have done so far. So that as we approach the end of our second season, you can see how far we've come and how far we have yet to go. Also listeners, if you would please uh, rate and review the podcast on Spotify or Apple podcasts or wherever you're listening. Uh, give us that five-star review. If you're so inclined to leave a review, it helps other people find the show and it certainly does warm our hearts. So that would be very kind of you. Uh, oh yeah. And if you haven't, you know, we have uh, only a few episodes left this season. So subscribe or follow uh, the podcast wherever you're listening to it. And uh, I guess all there is to do now is to leave you with, um, a Fiona Apple song uh, that we haven't gotten to talk about very much because it wasn't from either of these albums. Uh, the song, the titular Extraordinary Machine. Have a great week. I certainly haven't been shopping for any new shoes. And I certainly haven't been spreading myself around. I still only travel by foot and by foot it's a slow climb. But I'm good at being uncomfortable
simple so I can't stop changing all the time I notice that my opponent is always on the go And won't go slow so as not to focus And I notice He'll let you ride with any guide as long as they go fast From whence he came but he's no good at being uncomfortable So he can't stop staying exactly the same If there was a better way to go then it would find me I can't help it, the road just rolls out behind me Be kind to me or treat me mean I'll make the most of it, I'm an extraordinary machine 